the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 41 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysts is where you can find over at MMA Junkies, well as checkerus.com. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's before the fight. Recording this, I would say in the wee hours of Thursday night, but it's it's Friday morning, pretty much. Your, your boy here has done another all-nighter. Um, crazy week. Let's hope this is, like, aside from PFL, um, Bellator, and UFC crossover, we'll probably uh, maybe have one of those, who knows. I, I hope this is the last three-event week for your boy, because I'm crawling past the finish line. Um... Yeah, ready to. We're done with contender series, which is uh, which is good. Uh, by the way, check the uh, timestamps. I'm going to try to expedite this as fast as I can, but you know, as per usual, uh, if you're listening on YouTube audio version, Daniel Tom, uh, thanks for the like and subscribe. Even though I really stopped asking, because I really don't give a shit about those anymore. But you know, thanks for checking it out. You can check the show notes on that or on the Apple Podcast. Five star ratings and reviews helps there. But you know, my goals aren't very high these days. Uh, but just for your own help, though, if you would like to skip ahead, you can always check the show notes on said uh, platforms that I offer, and uh, I'll always timestamp those for you. Where the breakdown starts, as I always do from top to bottom. And is that a spider? I don't think that's a spider. It's probably a smudge on the wall or some shit. Um, and uh, if you really want to listen to less of me and my random ass distractions like there um you can always skip to the very end where i recap my picks and plays at the very end of the episode so um try to do that for you to make it a bit of an easier listening experience but uh yeah as per usual it took me to the end of the week because um yeah big week and uh you know your boy here actually tries to look into these things and get you some original takes rather than the typical hot speak uh so hopefully we'll see uh it's been uh you know it's been a rough year picks overall for me i dare say many though i'm not trying to soften the blow there because i will say you know the roi as far as betting betting picks analysis all three different things as you guys should know um ow my toe uh forget about the fucking toe um yeah, those has been good. Uh, you know, cash some bets last week in an actual sports book for once. Shout out to Lance Fischel and the crew. Barry Fischel as well. Uh, Lance had a bunch of great friends there. Uh, unfortunately, he was the only one from the MMA Analysis podcast. But uh, we still had a good time. Uh, cracked wise and the sports book. Cashed some tickets. So uh, b- big shouts to uh, MMA gambler Lance Fischel. Um it's cool to meet him in person. Uh, shouts to Connor, Zane, in the Viva section, and Steffi as well. Uh, one of the producers, uh, producers uh, and she just does a whole bunch. Super talented. Um, super talented crew over there. 
and uh, yeah, that's on the Bloody Elbow feed, actually, their podcast feeds a lot of different shows, but the Viva section is one of them. Uh, one of the shows, of course, I shout, respect, uh, reference, and cite. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I jumped on to, uh, you know, Zing smartly, uh, you know, actually gave himself a break. That guy is always... Uh, on the week-to-week grind, and I jumped in there with uh, Connor this time, and that's always a blast to podcast with Connor. Had fun. Hopefully, I didn't offend too much people, as I, you know, tend to be myself and make my stupid jokes. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, but it's you know, it's it, it's you know, why go on a podcast if I'm not going to have fun, um, or at least try to? Uh, because I don't know. I just feel like I've been. You know, I don't know if I've been too serious or just, you know, the world just sucks and is too seriously crappy in a lot of ways. So I'm just trying to trying to find solace, you know, uh, focus on the work, I guess. I don't know. Make money because I have to. Um, you know, it's all good. So, yeah, uh, I don't know what I'm getting at there. Uh, Dana White Contender Series, though, has come to a close. So that's that was cool, um, you know. So shouts there. I feel like, uh, you know. Dan Haley came into his own. Great to see Laura Senko on the broadcast. You got dudes like uh, Justin Bernard, who's paid his dues, who uh, kind of opened up that spot to get some more ring announcer work. So good on him and the other guy. Don't know his name offhand. Apologies. Uh, but he does a great job as well. Um, yeah. Um, you know, disagreed with Dana. Agreed with him here and there as well. You know, wasn't afraid to go either way, as per usual. Gave my opinions, whether they were popular or not. Uh, so I appreciate those of you who check those out, I guess. Um, but man, I think next next season, uh, if the, especially if I'm working in any capacity, I'm uh, I'm definitely gonna do like a no podcast, no something rule, no extra work, no extracurricular work, and other things that I've done during this eight week stretch, because <laughs> it catches up to you, man. It catches up to you. Um, Bellator is. This week, we'll recap uh, 268 real quick. we got 269 coming up in Russia. Uh, not a lot of takes there. Um, uh, you know, editor-in-chief requested a, a, something different than a breakdown for that card. I didn't mind to apply or something for Fedor instead of a breakdown. Sans a breakdown. And I didn't mind not doing that. I picked Tim Johnson. Or I didn't mind doing that, I should say. I picked Tim Johnson for what that's worth. My staff picks, which you can see over there at MMA Junkie as per usual. Um... And it just did a top five Fedor fights, which should, you know, be dropping, um, I don't know, sometime when you're hearing this, hopefully. Uh, so I had that going this week, too. That was fun to revisit all the old uh, old Fedor stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, nothing too crazy. I wasn't trying to go too hipster or anything on the selections, but, you know, feel pretty good about those there. So, you know, thank you guys for those of you who check these little written works out that I do. Um, share, support, tag, all that stuff at Dan Tom MMA. If you want to see these things, where it's mainly shared, at least for me, where I'm most active in sharing it. I'm not really active on a lot of the other social medias. Uh, but if you do want to follow the podcast on any of them, it does help because we're not active either. That we won't pollute your feed, but it's really helpful to us at the PYN Podcast. Of course, hosted by MixedMartialAnalyst.com, which. You can go to for Amazon click-throughs, not that you need to help a fucking Bezos' pockets, but if you feel guilty for using, uh, it's not a necessity service, but you know, it's the one we all we all use for one reason or another, sadly. Uh, allow me to take that guilt off your hands without uh, any extra charge to you. Just go to MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, 
click the banner the Amazon banner that'll take you right through and you can do your Amazon shopping and uh, through no uh, extra cost a small percentage of your sale will be kicked back to this year podcast which is greatly appreciated and used I promise you and uh, it doesn't give you any personal information or your names but it will give me a list of the things you bought which will always uh, makes for fun pontification I'll spare you the usual David Carradine joke because I have Abuse that once again on the vivisection uh, this week. So, you know, um, but yeah, you get the point. Uh, you, you buy stuff and, you know, you, you buy whatever you want. You're not going to be, uh, you're not going to be outed. It's a judge-free zone here. I mean, again, I'm going to pontificate. I'm going to, you know, perhaps cast some dispersions. But I mean, it's a judge-free zone otherwise than that. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah, um, but yeah, uh, all good stuff. So, um. Shouts to all them and, and all, all the shouts. And uh, thank you guys for your support. Again, there's also a secure PayPal link there, mixedmarshallanalyst.com, as well as in my link tree, which I learned because someone donated there. Uh, that's linked in my, well, that's linked in all my profiles actually in social medias, but uh, over there on at Dan Tom MMA. So thank you very much. Um, quickly, Bellator. I only mentioned 268 recap. Uh, went 1 0 in that. Um, Seven Lake Parlay. Uh, I posted that ticket. Um, just did one for fun, and then uh, two and two in props. Of course, the real play was Nemkov um, inside the distance um, at like minus, you know, one. What was it like one fifty something? Some kind of stupid chalk, but I put like two something, two point seven seven units. Like a really big bet for me, uh, and uh, so that hit. Uh, sprinkled on rounds one and two, which. Did not or two and three I think which did not hit, but um, it wasn't for Nemkov's lack of trying because he was trying to finish and God bless him he was trying to finish by submission and that he did, which cashed at plus nine hundred. I told you uh, to get on that one. That was that was you know that and Marquez which didn't end up happening uh, were my most confident ones. I don't want to play the game of oh could imagine how much more I don't want to be greedy. Um, I'll take what was technically a winning night, um, especially definitely in the cash, as I only played three tickets and cashed uh, those, which was uh, Roberts, uh, Miller under, and that, again, that seven leg for Bellator. Um, could not play props or, or anything fun props minus the totals at the uh, old sports books there. But for UFC Vegas 40 recap, uh, we went 8-2 and two overall in picks. Uh, a lot of asterisks here because, again, there were some late ads or stuff I played at the sports book. Um, this is it's either one zero oh and one or, or I think or two and zero oh straight plays. God damn it! I need to look at this. Fuck you, dog. I cannot read my own handwriting, folks. That's when you know it's really bad. You can't even read your own shit. Um, oh, I hit I hit Dumont right. So that was like I think I tried to say that's like one and zero. Oh. Um, but, uh, you know, you count the Roberts, I guess that was 2-0 and straight uh, that I added. 0-1 um, in the parlays for, for UFC. That failed. Uh, Marquez was already, it already fell apart before fight night. Uh, so we didn't really stand to make much money. I wasn't excited for it. And then Klein dropped. And then Fiero won. She did her job. Although I, I didn't watch a lot of these fights closely. So I apologize if I'm missing something. Um... I would be the first to admit if I was on the side of a good bounce. Uh, I, I don't know if that was the case. Some people I respected um, said the scorecard for Roberts wasn't controversial. I'm not sure. Uh, all I know is that um, 
I was talking to Lance, uh, and I told you guys pretty much the same thing too. Um, but but uh, more along the lines of uh, I remember speaking with him about the decision going out. You know, just by the way Roberts fights, um, there's just more action and more what what the judges have been rewarding. So even if it goes to the decision, it, he could still win that too, and, and apparently he did. So I didn't rewatch it. I can't have a hearted opinion. That was just my read and it cash. Um, let's see. Uh, oh one and th- oh one and three in props. Uh, it, it, it depends, I guess. What you one one and three? I, I guess if you you, you count the. Uh, the one I played the under. Let me see what it, what the hell that one is. Uh, oh yeah, Miller by sub missed. Of course, that was uh, my most confident one that missed. But hey, still happy for Miller there. Um, I guess I'm counting the Marquez ones too because those were like asterisks, right? Because like those, those like I had like three or four or three, I think props or something like that on his end. So I guess that's what I was counting on that number. Um, yeah. Anyways, all right, let's, uh, yeah, we had, uh, Norma Dumont defeated Aspen Ladd, again, was that the second, second week in a row at least, yeah, second week in a row at least for a right dog call, and I've been doing pretty good in the main events, um, but yeah, another, another dog call correct in the female, uh, the female fight due to the wrestling read, so, I know there's a lot of jabs in the, the counter cross threat there too, despite it being a little volume for Dumont. Um, oh, and then there was the coach's, uh, the whole debacle thing. Some people were asking me about that. I, I, again, I was watching the sports book, so I wasn't watching live, much close, much less with sound, but, um, surprise, surprise, I guess it sounds like I called out, um, I called out, uh, something before it happened, slash, uh, uh, called out a conflict of interest and, uh, perhaps showed itself. I did go back to watch it. It's tough. Um, like, as per usual, uh, both sides of the argument are not really hitting on the middle ground here as the way life is life goes uh, in general not just in our MMA space um and I'm not talking about finding middle ground as in like you know the uh you know access journal I don't want to offend anybody speak I'm talking about like real middle ground like as in trying to get to the root of um the issue and essentially there's a lot of people with the, with the you know this is Tough love, sports, this, that. Um, I was talked to this way, or this this person was talked to that way. Her herself was talked to this way uh, before, and she got the win. And those standing alone, I get those points. I think that they're even well-meaning points. So I'm not trying to shit on those points at all, but I will say that, um, well, I guess I will shit on the point, I guess, in, in the sense of, if you're not acknowledging the fact that, you know, first, you know, that it, this was layered between not just coach uh, and corner, coach, corner, um, you know, uh, relationship from, you know, very much older person as well, which plays a role. I believe similar to Pat Barry, both these people were quoted themselves, by the way. Pat Barry, just like Jim West, just like Pat Barry. Um, first laid eyes on this person when, since they were four, 14 and knew they were special. Almost verbatim, each has a, has a phrase that way. 
as we know, grooming just huge in sports in general, uh, which should be a surprise to no one. And I think even my ignorant ass when I used to like watch like the Olympics, like gymnastics back in the day, uh, like well, you know, back when I used to like pretend to care about the Olympics, like like everybody else does when it comes on, I was like, I was big like, I was like, oh man, U.S. team, we got we got, we got some bangers, we got Dominique Dawes, baby, she, she she gets out there and she gets it. But I remember I would see like all these like creepy coaches like yes, Mimishka. And I'm like, yeah. I just like, these guys kind of have creepy vibes about them. And you know, there's a big, a lot of grooming, a lot of coach and stuff like that with, in that world. And I'm not, I don't know their situation, so I can't cast aspersions on how they talk to each other, what the relationship's like. Um, but fuck it, let's just assume it's good. You know? Um, you know, as good as, can be and and again I'll, I'll stick to what I said I, I even though I lent uh, you know side-eyed I also gave credit where credit was due as far as you know um, the good things uh, or the, the I guess positives of certain you know uh, directions and things and that uh, the, the, this West character has done so I'm, I'm trying to be as, as fair as possible but it, it at the end of the day, a conflict of interest is a conflict of interest. And for anybody's examples, I doubt they were unique enough where they had that kind of a power dynamic attached to it, much less a romantic relationship dynamic attached to it. You know, for everybody saying, you know, that one time their little league coach said this and they, they were fine, you know. And then there's the other thing, too, where it's like... um. Which, again, fair point. If you want to point to the Anaskunas guy, it got a reaction out of her, right? And she won that fight. Um, but, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, because I honestly, it's, my opinion is the same as it was before. I just, what we had was an incident that kind of, you know, drew attention to potential conflict of interest. But, of course, everybody draws and takes it away in a different way. And another aspect of it, I guess, aside from... Um, well, the things, uh, argument that was being said was, um, well, the, you know, if you look at how she talked to her with Yada fight and this, like, you know, uh, what if that's just how we talk, you know, uh, I don't think people would care if we talked to another athlete, like saying it's a girl thing. Well, maybe he has, but offhand, I watch a lot of footage more than most folks, and um, he doesn't seem to get as animated the times I've seen him in another corner, but again, that's just offhand. Um, secondly, more importantly, is that the argument of, well, maybe that's, we don't know their relationship. Again, true. I stated that as much just like a couple minutes ago, and I, I agree with that. But let's be careful with the context that we broad, broad pace that, that statement as well, which is, you know, I mean, there's people, oh, that's, you know, we don't know their, their dynamic. Maybe that's just how they talk. Oh, because he screams at her like that, like on the normal behind closed doors as well that just makes it that guess that makes it okay you know um and i know misha with having a big voice and and using strong words like abuse you know and whatnot obviously is gonna get the narrative out there just like a commentator calling a fight and and you know why i'm here usually pulling my hair out trying to bring the narrative back down and down to earth a bit you know that being said man um you know, 
if anybody has room to speak, not just a fellow woman that, that knows of this abuse dynamic better than me, or I imagine most of you, if this is, this is a mainly male-dominated thing, but, you know, she also, uh, you know, came closest to that, and you know, for what it's, you know, Caraway uh, you know, as a, a fighter, uh, and, you know, wasn't as big of an age difference, um, for what it's worth, my personal interactions with him didn't come off as intimate of abuse or anything like that for what that's worth. However, that, that doesn't mean that there wasn't issues with the conflict of interest. There clearly was. Uh, Follis, the late great Robert Follis himself, stated as much, which is why he took over the reins in route to Misha's title reign. Um, it was a good thing that the, the conflict of interest was called out, right? So again, just because I'm calling a conflict of interest doesn't mean I'm like assuming the very worst and, and I'm going to jump on this whole thing either. No, not necessarily, but that also doesn't mean that there isn't a fucking conflict of interest there, folks. And and you saw it. And for as much as we can credit the tough love for getting a reaction, you could argue it did by the, I think, end of the third round or the end of the fourth round. You see uh, she, she ends it really positively. Um, but instead of building on that positivity, everyone's focusing on the end of the third round. My, my more issue was actually more toward the end of the fourth, I believe, when she actually like got good stuff going. And you actually saw like the most confidence you saw in her whole fight. Because, again, even though I was at a sports book, you know, a bunch of beers in, barely watching with no sound, um, you know, with some friends, um, I remember looking and just thinking and saying aloud uh, to Lance or whoever was next to me that I'm like, this girl does not look like she wants to be in there. Um, it was disturbing. And again, that was my issue. Like, that's where the abuse is for me. It was putting her in there in the first place. Um, but again, no one, you know, barely anybody raised that in a question. I feel like, you know, it's only me and like a certain small group out here, whether it's the Ortega thing or all these different ones, we're like, we're the only ones, you know, fucking questioning, uh, who's caring about these. Hey, who, who actually is caring about these fighters here? You know, it's like, it's like, um, that really drunk person at the party where it's like, but you don't know who they came with and you're just like, hold on, okay, let me find the person you came with. Who? who does anybody know this person? Does anybody know this person? That's what I feel like these fighters are at a certain point. It's exposed in certain situations. Like, who the fuck is actually caring for this person in this room? I know y'all are busy, you know, playing your roles up for the camera, but can we, like, who's caring for this person? And putting him in this fucking fight in the first place. Um, so yeah, it was confidence crushing um, around every corner. And she was kind of just set up to fail. Um, so that's my issue. But again, that was my issue before the fight. Y'all didn't need to see Jim West berate her in the corner again for for me to make this point. I already made the point. It's already been proven. This just kind of illuminated it more. So I spent way too much time on that that I wanted to. But that, that was... Um, that that's my take on it, I guess. Hopefully it's somewhat coherent as it's delirious Dan Tom at like five almost five in the morning. Uh, Alright, um Andre Olowski defeated Carlos Philippe. Um Oh yeah, that's another thing is like I there's this like cause when Marquez uh the went off I ended up doing the, the the fights that I was on the fence about, I ended up adding those and um Orlovsky by decision was one, thankfully that hit. Jim Miller, Miller, Miller song, defeated Eric Gonzalez, second round KO. Um, again, um, you know, I don't know how much there, you know, there's like something like, I'm glad Jim Miller got a knockout, uh, but at the same time as like, um, 
the Eric Gonzalez kid, apparently he was like, he cut like 20 or 30 pounds or something like in a week or two, two weeks or something like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, I get if it's a fighter with a ranking, they don't want to lose their ranking. Or in this case, like Granite Miller is super fucking unique. Um, who else has a, a UFC rec- walk record, a win record and a lightweight win record like Miller does? All that stuff's on the line when he competes, so I can understand why he wants to specifically compete at 155. No hate on him um, or his contextual situations. But in general, could we just do some kind of a... Either just do catch weights as a mandatory for these last-minute fights so that these fighters don't have to kill themselves. Or, here's an idea. If we're going to scout last minute since we're so desperate for fighters and we don't give a fuck... Um, and we're so desperate to fill the schedule, and there's so many fighters offering themselves in the low level to make it to the big show on the, the lower level, right? And I don't mean by, like, skill-wise, I just mean with their places and the pecking order. They haven't been able to put their time in enough, maybe, perhaps to be that big UFC name, obviously. They're still trying to get to the big show. Um, why don't we, especially since we similar fighters in similar situations of experience levels, I'm, I'm heading toward tough here as an example, why don't we just book, if it's a lightweight fight to Philip Miller, why don't we get a featherweight to fight Jim Miller? You know what I'm saying? Like, again, especially with the Jim Miller, Jim Miller's still going to get his 155. He's not that big of a lightweight. Um, you know what I'm saying? Get someone from a lower class. And that way you don't have to do catchweights if the UFC matchmakers hate catchweights as much as they're rumored to. And secondly, you already have set precedents for what, almost two fucking decades now with tough shows uh, where the majority from uh, modern era to not uh, were uh, have been fighters from below weight classes competing outside their weight class because they knew they were going to have to cut weight on short notices, right? Like, this isn't a foreign thing. We're all fucking used to this concept. We've all made it fine. Fighters have not ruined their careers. There's not been weird actresses when they've went down after coming off the show, nor when they went up. Like, we can track it and grade them just fine. It's fine. Do we have to have these people fucking kill themselves? This has nothing to do with not catching the bet, by the way. It just, um, you know, I, I, with weight cutting being a topic, um, I, this was a reminder that the days of the 20-pound weight cuts are not have not gone anywhere, folks. There's people still making insane cuts, and this whole pandemic era and this whole style of matchmaking is only encouraging it. Again... Fighter safety, like, what? We're going the opposite way of it, but hey, it, you know, it's fine gift with everything burning down, right? Who, who gives a fuck? Um, I guess. Um, all right, uh, Manon Fioro defeated Myra. I have a lot to say about fights I didn't watch, barely, huh? <laughs> Manon Fioro defeated uh, Myra Buenachitara Silva. Didn't watch much on this. Saw some takedowns, which is not, shouldn't be a surprise if you watch Menon Fiero fight or if you listen to my um, breakdown where I said uh, if she's going to get spoiled, it's going to be Justin Scoggins. Like, folks, she's going to shoot into uh, some kind of submission. 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 Uh, Nate Landward defeated Ludovic Klein by submission. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Anaconda choke. Anaconda don't want none. Um... Yeah, man. Wow. That was a real bust by Klein. That was, this looked like a really bad performance. He just looked like the floor fell out from him. Um, from what I watched, again, I barely barely watched these fights, folks. So. Um, 
man, I really wish I had played this, especially since, like I said, on the TSN Edge MMA show with my man Aaron Bronstetter, that, like, the way you play this, well, I think Aaron said Sanchez round one uh, was what he was looking at, and I said, you gotta go Sanchez round one or Bruno Silva round three, baby. We know we know what happens to Sanchez in round three, and sure enough, if you cashed, or if you played that, you, you cashed it. You cashed it. Good on you. Danny Roberts defeated Ramazan Amiv via split decision. Again, I told you guys um, my feelings on that. Didn't really watch it. Uh, Luana Caroline defeated Lupita Godinez via unanimous decision. I'm glad I stayed away from that one. I know I picked Godinez, but I stayed away for a reason. Glad I did. Um, I know a bunch were on Brandon Davis, and I was rooting for him and you, but then I'm back. defeated him first round. TKO. Um, Ariane Carnalos, he defeated uh, a submission or a naked choke. I did not watch this fight. So I don't know. All right, that's the, the recap. Too long, 28 minutes, I guess. Okay. Um, and we're going to move on to... Yeah, we're not going to talk about the Ultras. It'll be UFC Vegas 41, UFC Fight Night 196, UFC Fight Night Costa versus Vittori, which is the middle. Oh, light 195. Oh, not Rich Franklin. Wait. Oh, it's 205, baby. It's it's now a light heavyweight fight, um, if it'll go on at all. But, you know, we, even though this is actually going to be released by the time almost way in the start, I feel like there's always fights being canceled, added and added and canceled in the last few weeks on this podcast, despite the tight window and, you know, denying me the one benefit of having a later podcast when you think it's going to be up to date. Nah. So we'll see what even happens and what doesn't, but we'll go from top to bottom. I got an in-depth breakdown on this one video and the whole usual treatment over there at MMAJunkie.com. That should be out uh, right around the time when this, uh, hopefully, yeah, Friday. Um, everything's drops Friday. Odds checker, junkie, top five. What are you doing here? It's late. Um, all right, Marvin Vittori minus 178. Paulo Costa plus 150. This was tough. If you got in early in Vittoria as a dog, um, that was the play. Even if you know you were around the the, the minus you know uh, one thirty five or lower range, um, even no hate for chalk there. Um, weight intangibles under minus one fifty. Don't blame you, but you know it looked like we we're gonna hit minus two hundred, which I'm glad we didn't. That would have been too wide. Coming back down to earth a bit, but still, you know I'm still seeing average around minus one seventy eight here the time of this recording, and um, it scares me away the fact that it's no longer 195, and now it's all the way to 205, and now it's 20 pounds up, and you're not really making cost to cut or suffer much at all. Um, and by all reports, it sounds like he who's coming in just didn't look like he was even concerned with the weight cut, and just looking huge. Um, shouts to John Morgan and Ken Hathaway over there at the MMA Roadshows. Had them on in the background earlier while I was finishing up some things, and they're saying he even showed up to the presser with a, a, a bag of, you know, they, they can't assume you never know what's in the bag, but uh, it was a brown-looking food bag with the receipt stapled on it and everything. Like the guy showed up with like food and shit, like, and it didn't look like the PI stuff either. It wasn't not in the same packaging. It's like this guy is just flaunting all the fucks that he's not given, um, uh, and that's trouble, you know. I try not to get too, um, I know betting it's in itself can be tinfoil hat-like in this game, for sure. Um, I, I, I try to stick to more of the stylistic analysis, 
proven samples, yada, 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 all that bullshit. But let's be honest, man. It's hard not to start getting all conspiracy theoried out here as far as Paulo Costa maybe playing to uh, Vittorio Machismo and walking him into a trap, you know? When Vittorio originally agreed to 195, he said, you know, fuck it, I'll do 205. And it's like, ugh. Ah, you know, it's like that, that it was like that breakfast club scene, like one week detention, you know, keep it going two weeks. Come on, Buster. I can go all day. You know, like it was, you know, I felt like Vittori was just like, bring it on, you know, Sticazzi, 205, you know, he's just like, you know, he didn't give a fuck. Va bene, non tripicupare. Um, sorry, terrible Italian coming out, but like. Yeah, it could be it could be real dangerous. Um, that being said, I still feel like the stylistic dynamic of the fight largely remains the same, which is why my pick's going to be the same. Even though I'm less confident of it going to the decision part of my pick, but I'm siding with Vittori by decision um, to survive those first few rounds. I'm the first. Te- uh, I was going to say seven to ten minute storm, but it's going to at least be a ten minute storm now since he's not making cost to suffer. And I know a lot of it's like, you know, how bad the Adesanya messed this guy up. You know, that, that could be it too. You know, maybe when you have that much of an ego, you're not used to getting beat. How do you bounce back from your first loss? I mean, technically it could be a second loss. You know, let's be honest. There's a real strong argument that Romero probably should have won that fight. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? It was like he got stopped, you know. Um, it's probably too big and it was outgrowing the weight class anyways. It was probably, you know. Judging by some leaked footage that we saw, you know, may or may not have been using IVs past IV time anyway. So uh, it's no surprise that this guy's bound for 205, especially after the stunt that he pulled this week, which is just, you know, it's just disrespectful. You know, again, I'm not a, a big weight cutting fan. That's not what this is about. This is about, you know, honoring a contract. Um, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of like respecting and like, even though it's stupid, uh, just perhaps that, that competitor past competitor me um like almost religiously respecting to make the weight obviously i'm, I'm all about that but i just think it's it, it's dumb as far as the extent and the context is uh we, we we put around uh and and the asks that we put around these fighters to go along with it to the degree it's just oof. anyways um yeah but i'm gonna take uh vittoria to survive those storms there um it's tough you know i think post is like Costa's like technically 4-0 against UC level southpaws, but it's like, well, Bombose was technically, um, lists himself as switch, even though he primarily fought southpaw in that fight, so you could say it's 3-0. and Well, then you could say it's 3-1 and if you count the loss, which is an exhibition to Marcio Alessandre, right? And then you could say it's 3-1. and Oh, well, then we could say it's 3-2 and if we count, or maybe it's 2-2 it's, it's and two if we take away one of those wins that was for Romero, and, and we scored it maybe the, the crat way. Uh, you know, so it's it's real foggy the southpaw record for Costa uh, here. That being said, he does have the left hook that you know really uh, can be the southpaw killer. Speaking of Connor Rebush, there shout out to him. Um, and obviously the open stance body kick and the, just the body work in general from Costa. However, aside from the hair plug surgery, he had bicep surgery too, and he said part of the problem and the delay was that even after the surgery, he couldn't throw the hook, his hook the way he wanted to. And that was important to him. And that was really, uh, really key to hear because, one, it's like, oh, cool. He appreciates it. It's not an accident that the left hook's a really cool, good shot for him. Like, he really prides himself in it. That's awesome. But also, ooh, 
I don't know how much he's going to get fixed. And if he's mentally he doesn't like, you know, it's like a haircut. Haircuts will grow back. You know, you can you can call an audible, wait for it to grow back and fix it. But I don't know if bicep muscles are the same, even with the surgery and whatnot. It looks, you know, he looks healthy, of course, you know, and all the pictures leading up to this. But um, I don't know. He's going to be able to throw that hook the same, whereas, you know, Vittori, um, still not anything to write home about as far as, like, a boxing savant but he's definitely been putting work in on it man you know staying more active off the lead hand showing that he can fight off his back foot and counter when he needs to i think he's going to be the more flexible fighter we'll have to show that here but again if he can survive uh you know uh, you know uh, nothing can kill the grimace if he is a unkillable character like the grimace then uh i think he gets the decision here but with all the weight stuff and whatnot like, i really want to throw him in a parlay i don't blame him if you do but uh, I just stayed away, man. I'll see how, I'm, how I am where the line's at at the end of the night. We'll see if I jump on. But uh, I actually stayed away. I wish you the best, especially if you're betting Vittori. But uh, I got scared away between the line movement and all the bullshit this week. Next fight. Uh, Grant Dawson, minus 390. Uh, Rick Glenn, plus 310. Um, yeah, this might surprise people, but uh, I'm, I picked Rick Glenn here. Um, and if I picked a, a, a fighter, if I'm confident enough to pick him, and I guess I'll explain why, even though it's not like, again, you know, run, follow me off this cliff, empty your bank account. No, you don't have to follow me off a cliff. Um, I am sprinkling, but it's only 0.75 units of the money line, uh, at which I got at plus 360. So I got it at a better value than the opener at plus 300. Um, but aside from the typical argument of this line's too wide, which it is. Um, aside from the value argument, which I do believe is enough to justify a small play, nothing crazy. Um, I do believe there's actual stylistic reads and reasonings as to why I'm picking and even sprinkling uh, the flyer on Glenn, which is picking him and play him as, as both probably considered a flyer at this point, these odds. Um, a, they're both former featherweights, except one's more experienced. Glenn is taking this fight on short notice, but he's been in shape. Now, he also did the same thing Dawson did, moved up to 55, so there's less weight to cut, although I imagine he still cuts less than Dawson, even on short notice, uh, just because Dawson seems like a thick, growing, strong lad. Uh, whereas, you know, uh, Glenn, he, he decidedly big, was six foot, was killing himself, um, had a bad hip that was hindering him. Um... Takes two years off, relocates, gets the surgery, gets himself fixed, goes through his rigorous strength and conditioning to get his mobility back. Not just back, but feeling stronger, actually able to do things. I wonder how much of that affected his wrestling. Um, he's always been a competent wrestler and scrambler. Um, he just gets taken down but can fight, scramble up, submit, uh, ground and pound like a like a, like an MF-er. Um, and Rick Glenn's got those sweet, like... Uh, waterfall punches like i like to call him where he's standing over guys because he's so tall and he can just punch in their body and uh you know i think fedor might have been um the first to really do that i was really going back to really focus on fedor and watch his uh king his, his rings organization fights um we fought some big names there too like uh sobral i went back to watch that one as well as um arona which by the way that fight ooh, go back and watch that one Tell me what you tell me what you think Juan. Especially under today's criteria and under the supposed criteria they're going by. Um, curious folks what you think. 
But the thing with rings is, even though you hear like Boss and Quadras talking about like, oh, they didn't allow ground striking, they did. Uh, they just didn't allow it to the head. Um, for what it looks like, so Fedor would do this hybrid where he'd always just like stand with people, or stand in their guards and just punch down to their bodies, and then like drop down for leg locks uh, when they became available. And it was like a cool system he developed, um, just for his rings fights. And then, of course, it translated beautifully, even though, like, you hear, like, Boss and Quadros going, I don't know if his ground and pound is going to translate. When he fights Jimmy Shelton, it's like, oh, well, it does. Um, which, of course, they quickly converted, obviously. Anyways, Rick Glenn does some really mean body punching stuff there, too. Um, but it looks like his wrestling, you know, defensively always not been the strongest. However, you know, I think he loses a fight to Miles Jury. It looks bad. But, um... Uh, he actually beats uh, Dennis Bermudez in a split. I, I don't think it was a split. I think because of the way that, you know, values takedowns, Glenn's lost some close decisions before. He didn't look confident to win, but I, I felt like he did enough to win for sure. Um, and uh, if you look at the takedowns, he does get taken down. They're like, they actually make sense. It's like in the open, level changing while Glenn's kicking a lot of the times. But he's got a decent, like... Um, sprawl uh for the double i could see him doing what leo santos was doing to uh dawson's double however the reason why dawson is the deserved favorite mind you is because his cage wrestling which you know i think like um uh, thomas shared some bjj fanatics thing on kraus like showing some specialty stuff on it and you could see it definitely in the way he fights he's really flowy from there um the way he chains off of his kind of like single snatch um, almost like knee tap variations, um, and um, and if he does those against the cage, he's got the smaller cage. Um, you know, he's got the route there on paper to beat Rick Glenn by decision for sure. I don't think he's going to submit him. Glenn's been submitted before, but it was early in his career. He since earned a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. That was before he did a bunch of camps over at Team Alpha Male. Um, his main camp and his main coach and trainer who. He seems to really be vibing with over uh, just north of, uh, just a bit north of uh, Northern California. They're Idaho now. Um, seems to be a strong jujitsu focus. Uh, sorry, hiccups. As far as the gym. Uh, um, uh, so, I don't, you know, we saw what Evan Dunham, a much, you know, uh, a much more. Uh, proven UFC higher ranked submission grappler uh, than than Dawson, uh, you know, was able to get beat Glenn, but get him dead to rights and not put him out. So, um, you know, also I believe what has Glenn never been knocked out either. I believe. Uh, let me see. If we do, it's probably like by like cut or stop or something. No, never been knocked out. Only submitted twice early in his career. So yeah, it's it's. I feel like it's mainly a decision here for Grant. Um, but you know, um, Glenn could win a decision too if he's able to hurt Grant early and just not let off him. Kind of like the Gavin Tucker fight that should have been stopped, right? Because Glenn he hits hard and he's have you know, but he's not like a one punch knockout guy. He doesn't have that kind of power on him. Uh, I know he just iced you know Joaquim Silva, who by the way. His both of his uh, knockout losses are the only two notable southpaws he's faced. So look for him to ever face a southpaw again, right? Um, 
But this will be, speaking of Southpaw, this will be the first Southpaw Grant Dawson face. So again, Rick Glenn taking this fight on short notice, but he was in shape asking to fight. And Grant Dawson was preparing to face an orthodox jiu-jitsu fighter. Now he's getting his first Southpaw of his career um, against a guy who, you know, um, he won't have, who will have the length parity, which seems to be something that troubled Dawson. Um, again, he'll have rounds where he just gets completely, like, waxed in the first round, and then he'll come out looking like a lot more composed, doing, like, what you would expect, like, a Krauss fighter, uh, or a fighter, you know, under Krauss, you know, would want, uh, what Krauss would want them to be doing, he'd be doing. So, he's got, like, this real Jekyll and Hyde-like, you know, he can, he can have a bad round and get out there, which is great for Grant Dawson. But what I did notice is that whether he's doing good or bad, um, it's not that he has bad cardio by any means. Uh, he seems like he's got great cardio and is just a nightmare, Grant Dawson. But he does seem like he has to get his second and third wins, and that's where his real strength is, whereas Rick Glenn is a slow burner um, who really turns it up in the second round. Whereas Grant Dawson, I notice, he always has sketchy moments in the second round. And not only in the second round with the round that Rick Glenn turns on, but Grant Dawson, whether he's going for these takedowns or strikes, a lot of times he'll fall over. Or if he doesn't fall over, he'll throw himself out of position. He'll kind of like bad habits from people who grew up in doing in jujitsu gyms. Um, he's okay with fighting from his knees. Um, you've seen Nick, even you know really talented, proven, experienced fighters like Nick Diaz almost get his head taken off this way. But Nick Diaz, like with Paul Daly, he thankfully did the uh, you know the the snake in the basket, the cobra dancing snake in the basket to the flute kind of a deal, moved his head. Like, Grant Dawson just kind of, like, wades in and just will reshoot from his knees. Like, there's been a, a bunch of moments in his fights just so far that where I'm just like, dude, he's asking to get knocked out by either a, a legal uppercut or a borderline illegal, uh, borderline legal slash pretty much illegal kick and knee um, with the way he fights. And, you know, whether you you go back to, like, Glenn's fights, you know, against Karakanyan back in WSOF or, again, his last fight against Joaquim Silva, um, in these in-between spaces when guys are reshooting on their knees, getting up, transitioning, those are the spaces where Glenn is most violent. So again, if you look at the broad strokes, I get why Grant Dawson's favorite. I don't have an issue with him being favored per se. There is certainly an on-paper stylistic path aside from any perceived hype or any other reasons why he would be favorite. I, I get it. No issues for that. But for the width and for what I'm seeing, which, again... It doesn't mean I'm right, but I, I do tend to focus on things that not a lot of people pick up or even really decide they want to look for. And I just couldn't help but see this. And I felt much better when I was able to talk about this to an analyst I respect who can pick things up that I don't see like Connor. And uh, he kind of was, you know, for similar and other reasons as well, kind of feeling it too. Um, and, uh, and again, you know, I think it was... Um, Shouts to uh, my old land movement co-host, Dan Levy. I think he was the one that said, told me this, actually. Um, when I picked the big dog, he's like, well, if you're confident enough to pick him, you should be confident enough to play him. I'm like, you know, maybe not that broad stroke. You know, you should, shouldn't do absolutes. But I do remember, you know, telling him, like, you know, there there is some truth to that, though. Perhaps, perhaps you should at least sprinkle him. And uh, I'm going to sprinkle Glenn. So, you know, crazy. Uh, hopefully that's my most long-winded one because didn't do that on these picks where I look crazy, but uh, that, I'm on an island, baby. That's my that's my island pick. They've been better more than they've been bad, so we'll see what we get um, for that one there. Uh, next fight, uh, 
Jessica Rose Clark minus 146, Jocelyn Edwards plus 124. Um, essentially, I picked Clark uh, to wrestle because since training in Northern California, cross-training with AKA and um, her boyfriend, Chris Gonzalez, who's a really accomplished uh, wrestler and good MMA fighter, um, it feels like it's like one of the few uh, relationships where like the... <laughs> Speaking of which, we're like, the, you know, the, the, there's clear positives being drawn from it. Because, uh, you know, granted, it was mainly counter-wrestling against Sarah Alpar. Um, it really looked good, man. Like, you could just tell the way she was moving. And uh, she really put in a lot of work to understand these positions. And it was moving awesome. Um, that was an awful uh, fight to watch, hard fight to watch back. I, I totally forgot about Sarah Alpar just getting her face bludgeoned before her wedding. And then... Um, Chris Tagoni, um, you know, did the opposite of the Dan Mergliata, where he sees the what he thinks is an illegal shot and calls it, but it was an illegal shot, whereas Mergliata saw an illegal shot and didn't call it until after the fact. Um, but they both uh, tried to correct and, and save face in ways that did not save face and were not correct, in my opinion. Uh, as Tayoni literally lined up the poor girl like she was a fucking bowling pin. Like, here. Like like uh, like the Charlie Brown, you know, they're going to set up whatever Linus, whoever it is, to kick kick the ball. Like, that's what, like, that's what motherfucking Chris Tayoni was, you know. He was like Linus or whoever that was setting up the ball for Snoopy to kick. And uh, Snoopy, I guess, is uh, Rose Clark there. Anyways, um... Just based on that, I know she's coming off of knee surgery, but she took the proper time and looks to have really, you know, um, done a good job in recovering. Uh, I'm going to take her to do that because even when she didn't have the wrestling, her top game was actually always strong. Uh, I think she even had, like, a, you know, RNC win over, like, you know, a striker like Arlene Blanco back in the day. But the striking and Piani Kian's ad and that physicality in the frame in that matchup kind of worries me because there are some similarities there. And Edwards has been training at Kings MMA. She's definitely athletic. She's at the age, 25, 26, where she uh, can make big skill jumps. Um, and even in these fights where she's losing, uh, like a clear decision to Carol Hosa, she'll still have, like, you know, these moments in the fight. Um, I want to pick Rose Clark. I, mean, I think her leg kicks will do well here, too. But, man, maybe I got scared away from playing it straight because the price went up. I was going to parlay it, and I got, I got scared. And I ended up parlaying the over. I usually don't do that. Um, but I got a three-legger, so a minus 340 doesn't hurt too bad. So I took that. Um, all right, next fight. Uh, this is the next line, actually. Uh, Sung Woo Choi, minus 295. Imagine he'll be a par parlay piece against Alex Caceres, plus 240. Um, yeah, man, basically... I don't think Caceres has the physicality um, or offensive wrestling chops because uh, he'll be outsized and will be on the wrong end of the length parity, which is rare for him. Um, so I don't think he's going to have the chops to beat Choi, uh, to take it to the floor and standing. You know, Caceres, what he's really flown, he can really get going. But, you know, Choi, he's got some, like, national Muay Thai accolades, some kickboxing experience as well, and just well-rounded MMA. Um, and I just think his two, three counters that he, we saw on, against Arosa and other kind of long guy who can fight from Southpaw, although he did in that fight. Um, he, uh, I, you know, I think those two, three counters that were working, uh, or was it three, two, I can't remember, but you know what I'm saying, those, those counters, those hard trigger counters um, are going to work good against Southpaw. 
like Caceres, who can come in and shift his stance. Uh, so give me Sangwoo Choi. Um, not sure how he gets it done, but I just hope he gets it done because he's a parlay piece. Uh, Trinaldo minus 130, Dwight Grant plus 110. Basically, Dwight Grant not as active to push a pace to, for me to worry about Trinaldo. Um, I just got to worry about him eating one of those hard counters. But Trinaldo still somehow never been really knocked out despite competing in three divisions in the UFC, um, now at welterweight, which is probably not a bad thing for him. Uh, and, you know, Dwight Grant, no spring chicken, 37. Uh, and I, I don't think his uh, his grappling is as good, so I think Trinaldo is going to be uh, taking him down in the small cage, to be honest, and beating him up there. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, maybe uh, we'll see how I'm doing at that point of the night, even though most of my plays won't be closed till after. But there's a dog that I'm playing right before, so maybe that'll encourage me to play Francisco Trinaldo. Who knows? I stayed away. I picked Grandpa Trinaldo. Um, just the main analysis. That was I think that's one of their nicknames. Uh, next fight, Nikolai uh, Nigamarianu is minus two thirty-five, or Ike Velanueva is plus one ninety-four. I like Ike. We like Ike. Uh, I, I like Ike here at least. Again. it's... Uh, well, Ike has, though, something that Rick Glenn has, except he showed it even more so because uh, he volunteered to go to the media day when he wasn't even invited, uh, Ike Villanueva. But, you know, he, he really wanted to make the most. He's really trying to make the most out of the situation. He's putting all – he's gambling on himself. He's, to his own words, treating this like it's game seven. Um, you know, he looks in good shape for him. Works out of there at the Derek Lewis camp, four-ounce fight club. But has also um, been doing some cross-training at Extreme Couture with my guy Eric Nixick who I think may be in his corner as well. I don't know. I didn't talk to him. I, I, I saw him pop up on his social medias again, and I know he's he's worked with Ike before over there, so it's good to see Ike at Extreme Couture. Uh, whereas uh, Nigga Mariano, I think he might have worked at Couture's and definitely did like a, a round in the States, but for this camp, it looks like he just stayed in Romania or whatever. And, uh, yeah, Romania. And, you know, he's been wrestling since he was 15. Um... And the, I guess he's got like a Kempo karate black belt too, but boy, his skills look god-awful. His, his striking was just like ugly one-twos. His transitions were sloppy. Um, his directionality, uh, whether he's trying to corral or pressure or being pressured, there just isn't a lot of competence there. Um, Villanueva is the more experienced guy uh, in the sport, has fought better competition, is more diverse in the feet. He doesn't have the ground acumen on the floor, obviously, but Nigga Mariano doesn't seem like a, a fighter that, that necessarily always going to sell out for his wrestling. And again, even his strengths don't look great. Like, it just, his game looks very ugly to me from what I've seen. And I could not pick him, uh, much less, uh, you know, add him over two to one favorite. Um, so, uh, for that reason, I picked. Uh, Ike Villanueva, and at almost 2-1 to one odds, uh, I had to sprinkle on him a little bit too. Uh, I only sprinkled 0.75 unit, um, uh, but uh, that's where that's, that's what I did here. I, I like guys confident they're going to bet on themselves, and uh, Nigga Mariano really just had garbage experience before losing a decision to Zabrbeck Zabrov. Um and again, you could have argued that he lost against Alexa Kamer, who just you know, you know, just looks like Knuckles get the handbag. 
Um, but yeah, he, he looks like a uh, you know, like a thug who dies in the first act of every like bootlegger movie. Um, but yeah, so I, I took I fell on a wave in here. Uh, all right, Jong Young Park minus one hundred eight. Uh, Gregory uh, Rodriguez minus one hundred eight. Uh, even Rodriguez was an underdog. Money came in on him. Um, I reluctantly picked him, but even if he was still at plus money, I don't know if I would play him out of respect for Jong Young Park. Man, this is a tough one to call. Park's durable. He's got activity with his jab. Um, improved wrestling and underrated top in transitional game. Really uh, deceptively savvy there, like a lot of the Korean fighters. Uh, however, um, Hobo Cop, uh, I mean, my insensitive uh, um, Bolsonaro joke. Um, F that guy, by the way. But yeah, uh, but like, I, I, he's, you know, this guy's a legit black belt under the same professor um, who gave uh, Ronaldo Jacare Souza. Um, his black belt. Um, this guy's got decent wrestling. He showed he can go three rounds in his last fight. Even some of the decisions he lost in the regionals were split that could have gone his way. Kind of had glass cannon feels because that just, it's really hard to get that Jordan Williams KO loss on the Contender Series out of my head. Just probably why I picked uh, Dusko Todorovich. Um, reluctantly, albeit, but uh, I'll reluctantly uh, overcorrect the steering wheel here, possibly, by picking Rodriguez to win, but I'm not playing it. I'm staying away from this fight. If Jong Young Park, if this line fully flips, though, and Jong Young Park becomes the underdog after being opened as a as a moderate, somewhat moderate favorite, then I don't blame anybody for value betting on Park there. Otherwise, stay the fuck away, motherfucker. Just one of those days. It's all about the third leg, Mason Jones. Minus 500. Sorry. I'm not going to get all that biscuit song there. I don't know what the fuck's going on. It's late at night, folks. Crazy things get in my head. Versus David Onama. Plus 385. Um, David Onama actually looks good and really talented. Uh, trains out of the James Krause camp. So those fighters are always, you know, you like to think they're always prepared. That at least seems to be their style from Krause himself to Elliot to others. You know, they, 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 they can really jump in there and, and throw their guys in there. Um, Perhaps because he fought, I believe, on October eighth. So what's that like? Two week, two or three weeks ago. Um, you know, it's it's one of those questions. How much did he party or get out of shape on the in between time? I don't think much by looking at this guy and the way that camp runs. But uh, I'm not sure if he was ready for ready to fight. I'm I'm I'm, I'm sure he's down to take the two fight. Obviously, he took this thing against a tough guy like Mason Jones. Um. I just, I just don't like this position for Onama. I don't like it for him because he's talented, you know. He's 5-1, and one, and although he's a 5-1 and one that looks like he could be UFC ready, it is the UFC. It is the UFC freaking lightweight division, you know, albeit, you know, this new, you know, contender series filler that, 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 that keeps influxing it granted. But it's still the UFC's lightweight division, right? Uh, so it's like whether you win or lose, but especially if you win – uh, beat a guy like Mason Jones, who was double cage warriors champ. Um, you're you're gonna be even in harder matchups. You know, uh, it's a dangerous spot. You know, almost you almost just want him to get that tough veteran loss, or that you know that 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 uh, that learning loss uh, out of the way in the UFC here, and then have a great career from there. As far as uh, you know, if you're a um, uh, a David Onama fan. 
Um, he looks like he uses his long limbs well, uh, can tra- transition well, especially if he gets the back. But his wrestling, even though he's shown he can hit like open space takedowns and drive for takedowns, there's not a lot of resistance or defense coming back when he's hitting these takedowns. And no one's really pressuring him in any meaningful way, much less trying to take him down. In fact, I'm pretty sure I watched everything I could get my hands on, and I only saw saw one person meaningfully shoot a takedown, and they got him with it. And you see Onama kind of laughing because he's like, oh, I can't believe I got taken down with this. Almost like he doesn't expect it. So I don't know how much this guy is, you know, obviously he's getting challenged in the gym. It's a tough gym, great training partners, great coach there. Uh, but, you know, again, as far as his fights go, uh, whereas Mason Jones will have a, a real strong experience edge. Um, he's incredibly durable. That's one of the things I liked about him, why I picked him. Um, and uh, even if he didn't agree with my pick, which was wrong against Mike Davis, he showed why I picked him, right? I mean, he was able to take those, keep coming. He's a, uh, because he's very durable and has that, that spirit that I love, he's really strong, strong in round three because he's, he's a building fighter. So um, kind of like I said in the Vivis section, you know, minus 550, uh, it's too big to play straight up. Um, he closes out my parlay for plus 113, but if you're looking to play him in a non-parlay fashion, um, I say you wait to live bet him possibly after the first round uh, because I, see, I could see David Onama having an excellent first round and, you know, possibly hurting and, 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 and but, but, but probably even winning against Jones. And maybe you get like some stupid overcorrection number near even or even plus money barely for Jones, right? Uh, and now you have a f- minus 500 to a even plus money that way, if that happens. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to sprinkle on round three, maybe even a little bit on round two as well. Um, they haven't dropped in my houses, but they'll be opened at round two to about 385-ish neighborhood. And uh, round three around uh, plus 900 neighborhood. Um, which is a little lower than what I'd like for each, admittedly. But, again, these are really strong rounds for Mason Jones, traditionally. And he's fighting a fighter that is unproven at this level, unproven in those rounds, and fighting on, what is it, three days' notice? So, uh, again, dude, you almost want David Onama to have that good round, even if you're not live betting. If you are, you get the, the live line, obviously, if Onama has the good first round. But... Um, it almost secures that if he doesn't get the finish, that you know it means he, he used a lot of energy, and now you've got a building body puncher in front of you who's not going to go anywhere, who's I believe is a judo and jiu-jitsu black belt who can wrestle, who was training at Team Alpha Male because granted he was getting ready for uh, an unneeded rematch against um, Alan Patrick, so you know he had the jiu-jitsu chops in play, but hey, that can parlay to his offense as well, and perhaps to his defense because I'm sure Onama will throw up some wild shit no matter where he is on the floor. So Mason Jones, the third leg, and sprinkling on round two and three when they drop. Next fight, Jai Herbert. Um, one minus one eighty four versus a comma worthy plus one fifty four. Basically, this just feels like a trap fight. I'm I'm picking Herbert. I hope he does well. Dude, had tough two fights to be match made to. Maybe that's why people are correcting it from the even money it uh, laid on. Um, can't trust Worthy's chin, but. Could Jai Herbert shouldn't be problematic, you know? He got knocked out with the left the last time, or the second the last time, by Trinaldo. And granted, Trinaldo was a southpaw, so it was a counter cross, I believe. Um, or he's got a good counter left hook. We, obviously, we saw it against Smith. Obviously, that win perhaps loses even more stock after what we saw with Malarkey, even though your boy here picked that to happen. Um, you know what I'm saying, though. 
so uh yeah i stayed away this feels like a a, a trap fight uh you know i hope herbert wins it and you know if y'all cash a underdog bet here good on you uh next uh lariano strapoli minus 245 jamie pickett plus 200 was looking at strapoli for possible parlay piece but just didn't really have the interest in this one i'm picking strapoli for his volume and work but you know he's still uh moving up and settling in a new division and pickett you know is decent sized and um has got some power so we'll see but I'm going to take Staropoli by decision based on volume. I stayed away, though. Good luck if you played it. Uh, Jeff Molina, minus 158. Daniel Lacerda, plus 134. Um, I picked Molina here, who I wrote up as a right-handed southpaw, but fought more orthodox last time out. From what I saw, I didn't get to rewatch that one too clearly. Uh, perhaps that reaffirms that he was a right-handed southpaw. Maybe his striking coach is now going to fight more a bit from orthodox, which happened to me personally and tends to happen to others kind of start off on a weird foot um, for whatever reason um, he can grapple as well uh, however uh, I believe uh, it's a purple or a brown belt Lacerda is he's no slouch um, and he can hit offensive takedowns too he can even do them off of like spin kicks I didn't say this on the Vivi but the, he actually kind of reminded me of Will Brooks the way he throws kicks and then um, will hit takedowns off of them uh, likes to throw a lot of wild spinning stuff uh, real big fan of that uh, I'm not sure if he's taking this fight on short notice or not, but either way, I think uh, with his style, to be uh, where he uh, is more dangerous early, I feel like Molina kind of builds more later. So um, I'll pick Molina. I stayed away, but I wouldn't be surprised if like things look sketchy at first and then Molina has to pull away late. So do what you will with that. Um, Livia Hinata Souza, minus 126. Randa Marcos, uh, plus 108. Uh, I took Olivia Hanata Souza just because I just can't trust uh, Randa Marcos um, to not grapple with her and just to not make suspect decisions that usually involve grappling. Um, and I like Randa Marcos, man. I used to back her a lot as an underdog. Uh, not a lot, but a good couple of times back in the day. Um, can't remember if it hit or not, but I wouldn't know, and I'm not going to know this time because I ain't backing it. I ain't backing anybody in this one. Picking Susan, staying away. All right, lastly, but not leastly, we have uh, Zavaya Lavishvili, uh, minus 138, versus Jonathan Martinez, plus 118. Uh, I picked Martinez in staff picks and on the Vivi, so I'll stick to it uh, as a gun in my head, more proven product. But um, the little bit that I could find on uh, Zaviad, he um, looked really impressive, really solid, aggressive guy who will get after you in the grappling. Um, I think he's got, uh, some grappling accolades, some wrestling experience, some, uh, regional MMA, uh, uh, a title or t- title, I believe, um, trains at a bunch of good gyms, cross train all around the United States. Um, you know, I don't know if he's an Ali guy or, or who he is with, but, uh, yeah, he trains with a lot of good people. Um, I was kind of, you know, I picked Martinez. I was kind of hoping they would open that guy as the dog, but I think they, they smartened up. Uh, and then the public is trying to adjust by, you know, oh, well, you can't open Martinez, you know, that that wide. He was the one that was preparing. Uh, and you guys know I'm a big uh, Martinez fan, Southpaw, but between his own weight issues and then this guy coming in last minute, a Georgian fighter, it just feels like it's right to be a, 
upset, which is why uh, he is favored. So it won't technically be an upset, but you know what I mean. Going to still pick Martinez, but I stayed away. Staying away from this one and just avoiding. All right. How did we do on the time? 107. Not bad for all we included in the extra long uh, tracking points. Uh, all right. Uh, from top to bottom, recapping. Taking Vittori over Costa. Uh, taking Ricky. These aren't. These aren't. These aren't uh, school children. These are drug peddling midgets. What's your name? Ricky. Uh, Rick, Ricky Glenn over uh, Grant. Uh, I look like Chris Mullen's son mixed with every team captain in a Disney offshoot. Dawson uh, taking uh, Rose Clark over Jocelyn Edwards. Taking Sungwoo Choi over Alex Caceres. Taking Masa Randuba. Francisco Trinaldo over Dwight Grant. Taking... We like Ike Villanueva over Nikolai Nigum Nigum Marianu taking Gregory Rodriguez over Jung Young Park taking I didn't really break this one down did I Tabitha Ricci over Maria de Oliveira I, I like Tabitha Ricci better what I saw in a loss from Maria de Oliveira and she has the more uh, better ground credentials uh, credentials. And other credentials as well. I think she's like a judo, jiu-jitsu black belt, and some kind of higher Muay Thai rank. Uh, so I'll take Ricci over um, Maria de Oliveira. And that's a, taking Mason Jones over David Onama. Taking Jaka Herbert over Kama Worthy. Taking Lariano Staraboli over Jamie Pickett. Taking Jeff Molina over Daniel Lacerda. Taking Livia Hinata Souza over Randa Marcos. Taking... Zviad Lavishvili over Jonathan Martinez. Parley Choi, 290. Uh, Jones, minus 440. Clark Edwards, over 2.5 at minus 340 for plus 113 for two units. Um, I, again, I don't like a lot on this card. Uh, that that parlay, even though I have to go three legs with an over, is kind of what I feel most decent about. So that hits. It covers everything else for sure. Uh, otherwise, we took a 375... 0.75 unit uh, shot on Glenn at plus 360. But if that hits, actually, I'll be good too. Um, wouldn't hate it if Vanilla Wave hit at plus 190 for 0.75 units uh, as he makes my second and only other straight play. And props uh, Jones round three plus 900. And Jones round two up I sprinkle on two plus 380. I'll probably do the old typical, uh, you know, uh, 0.7U and, you know, 0.33U or some kind of a combo of a half U or combo of a. Uh, 0.60 U and kind of split it in between accordingly. Um, avoid, avoid whatever you want. Um, but uh, thank you for uh, listening to the show at the PYM Podcast on all social platforms. Five star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Daniel Tom on YouTube if you care to find there. Like, subscribe, shares, all that's really appreciated at Dan Tom MMA. If you want to get at me at the only social platform I'm really active on. Uh, really appreciate the support. Uh, again, MixedMartialAnalyst.com supports the show. You can find Amazon click-throughs for all your shopping needs. It really helps a lot. It doesn't cost you anything but a click. Or if you do care to donate to this free show, um, then I will continue to my, my best to keep free. Always feel free to donate to the secure PayPal link at MixedMartialAnalyst.com or my Linktree link at DanTomMMA on Twitter. All right, good luck with your picks and plays. And always protect... Yannick.